0: Hello and welcome to episode 55 of The Reds Unrestricted. My name's Dan Club. I'm going to be your host this week, and I'm joined as ever by Dave Comerford and Chloe Waxham.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: So yeah, we are here to talk you through what was superb result in the end for Liverpool away into Milan Um, the game wasn't easy at times but we're going to dissect it and then we're going to look ahead to Norwich City on the weekend as well but um, I'll start off with you Chloe, first of all how are we Um, I'll get your three word match review, Um, just a kind of brief summary on the match and also one of the big talking points was Jurgen Klopp's substitutions last night Um, so if you could touch on them for us that would be great
1: yeah, um, so I'll do me my me three-word review and it's, it's advantage Liverpool um, and the reason for that was it kind of felt like a smash and grab to be honest at times. I thought um, Inter Milan gave us a really really tough game throughout the entire 90 minutes for maybe 70 minutes. They could have been the better team. I thought we started off really well um, and I thought we were winning the first ball but we could then not keep hold of it. I think we were really slow when we won the ball, as if we expected Inter Milan to not come and press us or chase us, mm. and they did. And it just seemed like the lads didn't realise you don't have this much time. You, you know, act as if you're in the Premier League where you're not going to get the 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 time to control it, have a look off, have ten pa- you know ten touches and then do the pass. Um, it had to be really quick against Inter Milan, and I think we were missing that. Um, and then when we were obviously put under pressure by them pressing us. Uh, we were not putting enough on the pass or we were doing the wrong pass and it was getting intercepted. So um, we weren't at our best, but I'm not really bothered because in the end we got the result, and that's really all that matters. Um, as for Jürgen Klopp and his substitutes, he got it bang on. The yeah. only one that I was, you know, maybe like, yeah. okay, I'm assuming that's an injury was Jota um, because I didn't think Jota played that bad. I thought he was quite well. He had some really good touches. Um He'd won quite a few files. I think he wins the file for Sadio Mane, who puts his head over the bar, and I've got no idea how, like, that should have been a goal. But uh, I didn't think he, he he was that bad. But the substitutes were needed. Harvey Elliott, which um, I think our midfield was getting lost in the game at times. We we were struggling in there, but likely so. He's an eighteen-year-old dad who's who's came into a game and in, in the last sixteen against Inter Milan at the San Ciro. Um, just because he's he's maybe not done brilliantly in, in that one little spell doesn't doesn't mean anything. It's bound to happen somewhere. So um, the changes were good. I thought Fabinho was all over the pitch, and then he came off and everyone was fuming. Um, and I think that was just because of how much you felt like he was everywhere. But in the end, Jürgen Klopp knows better. This is why he is the manager and not all of us sat here being the fans. Um, and in the end, we got the result.
0: Yeah, that is um, obviously why you're Jürgen Klopp is the manager, like you say. But the reason the subs are probably more interesting than normal is A, because they did change the complexion of the game, because you touched on it there, Inter Milan were very much a force in the match, and particularly sort of the first 15 minutes of the second half. I thought they were by far the better team, and they were kind of swamping us a little bit. We looked like we couldn't get out for a period. And then he makes the triple substitution. And the whole game just changed completely on its head, and um, we had a lot more control, etc., etc. So the subs are a particular talking point this week, like I say. And just before I come to you, Dave, you mentioned smash and grab there. That could have easily been someone's three-word match review, and I hope it isn't yours now, Dave, because like I say, for the most part, we weren't getting dominated or anything of that sort of ilk, but. It was two late goals, and the result is superb. So, you know, it would have been an apt free word match review. And, Dave, I'll come to you for yours.
2: Well, mine's along, I suppose, kind of similar lines to that. Um, I thought about going with no luck header um, because mm. <laughs> it was almost a trademark for me, no way to, to score that goal. I think we've got to make sure that we, we mention just how good a goal that was, especially yeah. considering, you know, Probably me, most of all, you know, we've given Firmino a fair bit of criticism, I'd say, on the podcast. But, you know, credit where it's due for what was a amazing improvised finish, really. Um, but yeah, I went with weathered the storm um, as my three words. Because really, you were hoping a half-time, I think Liverpool had maybe shaded the first half, maybe it was even. But you were hoping a half-time Liverpool were going to sort of come out and and maybe put their fuss on the gas, really. because. You could see towards the end of the first half, that clap was quite frustrated and you thought that was going to be kind of channeled into the performance. But if anything, like you say, it was Inter who really stepped it up after half-time. You know, it was their best spell in the game by far. And, you know, Liverpool had to defend. You know, they had to be really alert, defending their penalty area. to put some really good moves together. And I think they had a really good game plan. Obviously, we know and we spoke to you and earlier this week and we know they're a really good team but they also married that with a very effective like tactical setup you have to say but yeah what we managed to do was was ride out that storm make those game changing subs um and you know the, the difference w- was clear to see um on the back of those and then get the goals later on to get what like you know what you said is a uh a fantastic result and hopefully one foot really in the um in the last eight now but um another thing I'd, I'd like to mention just sort of on the game generally and it's not actually something that um we've kind of got in our agenda really but the set pieces you know this season have been ridiculous mm-hmm. like there's there's a stat here from from james Pearce um that he put out this morning 19 set piece goals we've scored in the premier champions league you know brandon And for for a bit of context, the whole of last season, I don't know, last season, maybe things broke a little bit, but um, last season it was only 13 the whole season. And to have that weapon is just so useful. And you saw maybe one of the best illustrations of that all season yesterday in terms of how the game was going. And then you get a set piece and he talks about um, Klopp. I think he's mentioned in his press conference how it was something the analysts spotted I mean, I'm not really. It didn't really look per se like a, a weakness from Inter that we'd exploit. But the goal that it was, um, maybe in terms of the run that Firmino made, was okay. something that Inter maybe susceptible to. So, massive credit to the people at the club who are devising the the plans for set pieces because they've been, you know, a huge asset of the season. I mean, 19 goals is it's ridiculous. And I also think that uh, we defend them very well too. So. Maybe a part of the game that's been not appreciated enough, I'd say, and like, like I say once again, huge credit to those responsible at the club.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we're gonna go into the defending in particular in a moment. Um, But just to kind, I'll give you my favourite match review. I actually went with performance of champions because it's in those performances I said it after Burnley actually. Um, it's in those sort of performances whereby you're not at your best but you find a way that you think a side is capable and we knew it anyway but it really is capable of achieving great things this season and I think last night was another illustration of that because there was periods, particularly after the half-time whereby we were on the ropes and we did have to weather the storm, as you say, Dave but we managed to get through that and adapt and change the game mid-game, which is really difficult to do And to go to somewhere like the San Siro again this season and win with such high stakes as well is is incredible. Um, And especially when we weren't at our best because prior to the game, we're all thinking, OK, if Liverpool turn up here, after speaking to Ewan in particular, you think Liverpool turn up, if we play sort of anywhere close to our maximum, we should, you know, wipe the floor with this Inter Milan team, even though they're very good, but we're at the next level above. We don't do that. But we still find a way to win 2-0. Like that there's a lot of good teams left in the Champions League, Man City in particular, i would have to say. But, you know, from our own perspective and what we can control, then that last night was a performance that shows me that we can pretty much do anything this season if we didn't know it already. Um, just to kind of sum up what a few what you guys have said really um throughout the game, um I think on the subs. We have been critical of Klopp's substitutions in the past because they often are a little bit bizarre and they don't change games. They don't have the effect that we'd like sometimes. Um, Last night was the opposite of that. Even the Fabinho one, which definitely raised eyebrows at the time because I thought he was outstanding while he was on the pitch. But listen, he makes a change and we are far better after it. Maybe that was a combination of fresh legs and them tiring. I'm not sure, but whatever it was, it worked. Um, hopefully, Jota's injury isn't too bad. And I was quite impressed with Jota, like you said, Chloe, before he came off. I thought he was one of the sort of attacking weapons who was causing problems. He was driving at them quite a lot and they, they weren't coping. Um, and just to finish off, before we move on to defenders, I actually said before Christmas that Liverpool weren't scoring many goals from sort of set pieces, corners, for, for the for the height and the threat that we posed. Um, with obviously Van Dijk, Matip, Fabinho, etc. And pretty much since I've said it, I don't want to say they listened, but since I've said it, they've scored, I think, every game essentially from a corner or something similar. Um, And also, just the very last point, Klopp, like you say, Dave, mentioned the analyst sort of picking up on something that meant we could score that first goal with Firmino. And it reminded me of Cardiff away a few years ago, a bit of a different stage when Wijnaldum scored that volley after Trent's low corner, and that apparently was something they'd picked up on. So that in-game management is just, yeah, it's it's next level, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Um, I'll stick with you, Dave, actually, because you kind of touched on the defend in the box. So Virgil van Dijk, uh, Inter Milan actually made him go into second gear, which is credit in itself, but... How good was he? And moreover, do you think that was the best we've seen of him this season?
2: The point you touch on, I think, is the key thing here in terms of Van Dijk is able a lot of the time to sort of coast through a game and he doesn't have to go into that second gear. And sometimes that'll be because, you know, Liverpool are just so dominant in the game. The offside trap is working effectively Mm -hmm. um, and the opposition just basically on on the level but sometimes that's because he does have a very casual and relaxed manner a lot of the time and it's almost worryingly casual at times um I think although you know he's only got very very minor um chinks in his armor but the thing yesterday was that he had to access that second gear and I think when he did it it really emphasised and hammered home just how good he is mm. because he just sort of went to this other level within himself. And maybe the moment that epitomises it was when the ball comes over the top. I'm not sure who who passed it, but the ball comes over the top for Dzeko and it's a, it's a decent touch, to be fair. You know, it's not a hugely heavy one. And Van Dyke just completely shrugs him off. He just turns on turns on the afterburners. I think he could have gone quicker for the record, actually, but yeah, he turns on the afterburners. Most is ahead of him, shrugs him off the ball. And almost when you watch the replay of that moment in slow-mo, you can see Van Dijk's just activating his kind of mean face and this sort of really outraged look on his face that someone is almost dead um, try to get in behind them like that. And you can see the look of resignation on Dzeko's face as well, which I thought was quite good and quite apt, but Yeah, I think that was why I think it's a contender for his best performance because he had to, you know, he had to step it up and he had to defend um, a lot more than he 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 normally would have to, really. Um, And really, he was the rock for us at the heart of the defence when we were um, in the midst of that storm, like I mentioned at at the start of the second half. I mean, you look at some of the, the stats from the performance seven clearances three interceptions five out of seven aerial duels i mean when you consider that he's up against jacko um in that game as well as martinez obviously that's a very good record and also seven out of eight accurate long passes as well which maybe people haven't um mentioned he was very good in that respect um against burnley as well so yeah just a amazing all-round performance really man of the match for me and a reminder i think um the past couple of games that he just is the best centre-back in Europe still, even after his injury. And um, as a lot of people mentioned, he's the yardstick to which basically every other top centre-back um, is compared.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think you're dead right in terms of the last few weeks. For me, he's turned a corner sort of after Christmas. And that's not to say he was bad pre-Christmas because he was far from it. He was still best in the Premier League. Sort of situation, bar none, in my opinion. Um, but like I say, he's just gone up. That if you use the same analogy, he's gone up them gears again in the past few weeks. And last night was just imperious, considering the pressure we were under at times and the quality of opposition. I thought Van Dijk was unreal. Um, Chloe, I'll come to you on the Van Dijk, but Dave obviously gives Van Dijk man the match there, um, which I think the Champions League did. So it's it's hard to argue with, but. I think Ibrahim McIntyre was a contender, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I thought he could have been given man of the match as well. He was constantly on the, the front foot. That's what I love about him. You know, we, we talk about Virgil van Dijk's positional play and the fact that he reads the game so well that he gets himself into a position in which he doesn't really have many one-on-ones or he doesn't have many standout moments, per se, and he goes under the radar because of his position and because he gets himself in the correct position. Canarte did that the other day. Uh, last night, he literally read the game. He There were so many times where he was stepping up and intercepting the pass at someone's feet. um, And, and he, he got us on the front foot. He was winning it, and then he was passing it off, and we were off. And I think to myself with Canarte, I, I don't think he's really had a, a bad game. Maybe Brighton. I've got Brighton stuck in me head at home where he might have not been brilliant in the second half. But I don't think Virgil van Dijk was brilliant. I don't think anyone in our back line or midfield was brilliant in that second half against Brighton. And I think he, he keeps proving himself. And he's obviously, you know, a, a massive unit. He's a big lad. Uh, he shrugs people off the ball. Even even the one where Virgil van Dijk might have been zoned. And Jaco's free in the box and at one stage you know Kanate tries to to cover Van Dijk and I'm thinking to myself you, you can't do that there's someone free in the box can't and he retreats and he kind of you think he's in no man's land for a minute because he's it's like he's he's debating which one to go to um and he still intercepts that he gets himself in a good enough position to still intercept the pass that you know if if he wasn't in that area it would be in basically a 1v1 a tap in for Jaco. um and He's obviously also came in and learnt the high rule, you know, the high line quickly as well. He knows when to step up uh, and we caught him offside quite a lot as well yesterday, so um, yeah, I, I thought he was an absolute animal at the back, to be honest. Every time that ball came anywhere near him, he was stepping up into it and intercepting it and I love that because he gets us on the front foot and I also think there's, there's one where um, into Malango and have a chance and uh, I want to say it was Channel ogloo I've got no idea who it actually was. I'm just assuming. Um, and he slides in, he wins the ball. He gets up and someone just absolutely runs into him, doesn't get any part of the ball and just knocks him over. There. Um, but nothing's given. And he has to go and make a recovery in it. But these are, he, that it just shows his pace as well. He's got the pace that if we use this high line, you know that you're gonna be safe in a sense if someone manages to break it because you've got Virgil van Dyke and Kanata who if needed to can put the burners on and get back. Um and I was just I was really, really impressed with with those two um at centre off. Kanata maybe more than Virgil for this main fact that I've seen Virgil do it so many times sure. and um every game it looks like you know it, it might go into the radar that he's he's done well, but it looks like he's absolutely doing great. And for Virgil van Dijk, a word on him, I even though he was, you know, in second gear and he put out, I still don't think he looked like he was, you know, he didn't look like he was being puffed through his paces. He looked as calm as ever. He literally, um, he, you know, he might have screamed here and there at some of his teammates to, to do better in 1v1 situations. But relatively... He didn't look like he was getting out of gear within, you know, his, his mannerisms. He wasn't out of breath, you know. He wasn't um, hunched over at any point. He just he just looked normal. Like even when he does that sprint back to to you know make sure the ball goes to Allison and not Jacko, who took an outrageous touch, I thought it was. Um, he doesn't look like he's, he's in any sort of of pain or out of breath from running back and sprinting back. Uh, and he then just gets on with it, and he pings the ball thirty yards to Mo Salah. So, um, yeah, just just brilliant by those two centre halves.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. Um, and I echo all your thoughts on Ibrahim Mahanama. I thought he was outstanding last night alongside Van Dyke, who definitely didn't break a sweat. Let's not get carried away. Um, but I'll come to you, Dave, on sort of the final say on Ibrahim Mahanama if you like. Um, I tweeted after the game last night that essentially he keeps stepping into these big occasions, you know, AC Milan away, Manchester United away, and now Inter Milan, and there's been others as well this season, without really playing regularly, um, which is testament to how good he is and how quickly he's adapted to what Chloe mentioned there in terms of Liverpool's style and the high line. I think the first few weeks he didn't quite get it. He wasn't quite adapted to it yet, but ever since he's been he's been brilliant. Um, do you think... Last night and his recent performances have made a case for more regular starts. And, and should it sounds silly to say because he's been so good as well? Should John Massip at least be looking over his shoulder and not slapping people on the head?
2: That video is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I love yeah. it. But while I like about it, it's Henderson. Yeah. I'm waiting for Henderson yeah. to smile and, and like acknowledge, <laughs> acknowledge it, but he's just furious he's with it. He? Like he's really not happy. But um, yeah, on, on Can I say, I think there's three reasons why you might play any given game. Number one, Matip needs a rest. And we know that Matip's game time needs to be managed based on his historical injury record. Number two, the opposition boasts maybe we've we've seen this a couple of times, the opposition boasts a strong physical presence up front. And maybe is better equipped to deal with that. The Matip still not entirely convinced about that, but I think it's it's valid. Um and the third option would be that Matip's out of form. Um, and I'm not sure which it was yesterday. I think there's kind of elements of all three in there because Matip, while I think he's defended, you know, largely defended very well and largely had a really good season. And even those moments on um, at the weekend against Burnley where he comes up with really important like uh, moments in his own box, he does seem to have this habit recently of these really sloppy moments. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed where he's essentially just passing the ball to the opposition like one or two times a game in his own sort of final third um, and really causing panic. So I don't know if, if there was kind of an element to that at play. And I think we could potentially see, can I say, start more frequently over the final stretch of the season. Um, It's certainly... Something that he looks, you know, capable of because, you know, I mentioned on Twitter yesterday, United away, AC Milan away into the way. He's been absolutely colossal in all three games. And those are, you know, huge, huge away tests. So that gives you a lot of confidence in terms of his ability to step into the side. And I think what you mentioned, Dan, about, you know, needing to adapt and maybe having one or two, slightly ropey moments, I think it's fair. Like, I think back to the goal, for example, as Shrewsbury scored at Anfield, which he has to clear. um, There was a couple of moments in the Cardiff game as well, I think, when I'm sort of looking at him and thinking, the style with which Liverpool defend is so aggressive and so finely balanced, like it's right on the edge, that it is going to take time to adapt. And that's what we have to bear in mind. But I think what we also have to bear in mind is even in spite of these moments, I think there has been in some courses a slightly strange narrative that, can I say, is, you know, a bit of a, not a liability, but, a, you know, a couple of levels down from that. But I think some people have sort of painted him a little bit unfairly. Um, what we have to remember is, in the grand scheme of things, you know, he's made a really encouraging start to Liverpool career, you know, nights like that make you really excited about his sort of long-term future at the club. And there was a really good tweet um, from Musa Rakwanga yesterday, um, which I saw on my Twitter feed this morning, actually. And he said, can I say it was a centre-back everyone should have been after from the moment he started standing out at Leipzig. And I completely agree with that because I think, like Chloe said in in her answer, he just has all the attributes and he keeps showing that he's got... The combination of the pace and strength is absolutely lethal for a centre back really. Um and on top of that you've got his ability to bring the ball out of defence. Um, you know, he looks it's something he'll get better at, I think, but a lot of the time he looks like he can be sort of fairly comfortable when he steps into midfield positions. Um and I think he'll be able to add the sort of set piece threat as well um later in his career. So the fact that there's more to come, a lot more to come based on what we're seeing already is really, really exciting.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Um, and on top of all of that, really, the only thing we haven't seen from him yet, which will almost only enhance his game, is that sort of prolonged run in the side. Like, you know, I don't. he hasn't had that run of games yet, whereby he's been able to sort of cement his place or even become accustomed to being a Liverpool regular. So... Once that happens as well, which it inevitably will further down the line, maybe even this season, he is only going to get better and go from strength to strength. So it bodes really, really well. Um, And obviously you touched on there in terms of, you know, everyone should have been looking at him when he was at Leipzig. We were one of the few clubs looking at him and not Deo Umpermeccano, by by the looks of things, who, you know, by all accounts, had a relatively decent but potentially checkered start at Bayern Munich.
2: I'm... I'm really glad about that because, you know, I'm not going to pretend I watch the Bundesliga week in, week out, but every time I watch Upa Mekano, with the exception, to be fair, of the game at the new Camp in the group stage, but, you know, at Barcelona, like this season, he looks like a liability, to be honest. I think I think Canate is definitely the better option. I think Upa Mekano is maybe, may deliver a little bit on this kind of ability as to sort of, you know, bring the ball out and a and few passes. But I think his actual defensive awareness is a real, a real worry, to be honest, when you watch him. And it's actually one of the reasons, a bit of a tangent, but one of the reasons I wonder if Bayern are actually going to be able to, you know, compete with the likes of us and City for the Champions League, because I'm not sure if he's at the heart of defence, um, whether they're going to be able to be tight enough at the back.
0: Yeah, I think it's a very fair point, um, because like I say, it hasn't worked out potentially as they'd have hoped, to be honest. Um, But yeah, anyway, we will. But just to finish on that, actually, there are lots of fixtures coming up, lots of very important fixtures coming up. So everyone's form is going to be pivotal, but we might also see Canate play a lot more over the coming weeks, which based on last night would be no problem. Um, So moving on to Harvey Elliott now. I think I might say he became the youngest player, Liverpool player, to start a Champions League game last night, um, which is an accolade in itself. And we should also mention James Milner's 800th club professional game at that stage, because that is ridiculous. Um, But sticking with Elliot, Chloe, you you touched on him earlier very briefly, but give us a bit more about how you thought he went um, in what was a difficult environment for him. Do you think he did okay?
1: I thought he was all right. I just thought he got lost um, and our midfield did get lost. uh, Like I mentioned earlier, we were winning the first ball, sure. But then what we did after winning that first ball, we couldn't keep hold of the ball. And I think Jürgen Klopp said that in his his match uh, press conference after it. It was very much we couldn't keep hold of that ball and the subs needed to be made. Harvey Elliott, first five 10 minutes, I actually thought he did quite well. Um, he was dangerous in and around the box because Liverpool got off to a good start. In the first five minutes, I thought to myself, we've got them here. Uh, they were absolutely petrified. Uh, we kept winning the ball high up the pitch. And I think we actually kept winning the ball high up the pitch throughout the entirety of the first half. Even when our midfield wasn't doing too well, we were winning the ball up there. The problem was, was when we were winning it, we were taking too long to then do the pass. It wasn't quick enough. Um, when you win it in the final third, you've got to be quick with it. Otherwise, they're going to get men back. Um, Harvey Elliott, he did all right. He popped up here and there, but you could see that he was struggling. Um, he, he, you know, I think the the commentators um, on BT actually said he was doing he was doing fairly well. He was getting stuck in, which was right for the first. However, you know, in. but when Inter Milan started coming into the game. Um, you know, you, you kind of saw the imbalance in our midfield and you saw Fabinho was absolutely everywhere and you saw maybe Thiago making some tackles here and there. Um, But when Harvey Elliott had the ball, it felt like we seemed to lose it a bit. Um, You know, he couldn't quite find the pass that he needed to at times. Uh, and also, you know, people target Trent. That's just how it is. Someone's created this narrative that Trent's not good at defending um, in football, so the the attack trend sides Perisic was very very good, um, and at times you know maybe when we were doubling up we were still getting beat. Uh, I think they hit the bar, Oglu hits the bar. Harvey Elliott doesn't track the runner. Um, exact when, when I watched the replay, it, Harvey Elliott just let some you know let him run off him in the box. Um, and he's young. I'm never ever ever like I'm not having a go with him here. You know. Um, when I saw him on the team sheet, I was so excited, and I'm still so excited. I love the lad, I think he's boss. Uh, I think one half of football doesn't account for anything. Look at the, the trust we even installed in him already with putting him, you know, with starting him in the game. And I think maybe if he had Henderson next to him somewhere, maybe he could have done better. I don't know. Um, but you know we we did get lost but he wasn't the only one our entire midfield at times we were getting lost and that's just how it was it was just mainly the, the the point for me was he looked like he was struggling um and you were calling out for some stability in the midfield and you, you were calling out for Henderson really um and when he came on you saw a, a vast improvement we managed to keep the ball and it's like always if you've got possession and you're you know if you're basically recycling that ball um the opposition don't have a chance to score because they don't have the ball with them. And at times, we were just giving the ball away too easy on the edge of our box. Or, you know, we were um, not doing the correct pass and not finding the man. And, and that's what it felt like in the first half, especially. And um, I, I'm glad that channel lose at the bottom and not put it in because then Harvey Elliott would be highlighted in depth. And we all know what people are like. They'd, they'd give him crap. So... Um, and I'm talking about BT, you know, analysts as well. You know, if, if Rio Ferdinand and all that would have been on Harvey Elliott if that goal goes in, that's just how it would be. So, um, he wasn't awful, he wasn't bad, he just wasn't what we needed in that game. And that, I think that's the easiest way to put it. We didn't, when it first 10 minutes he was boss, he looked good, he was effective, he was getting stuck in. After the 10 minutes when they was putting the pressure on us and pressurising us, you felt like we needed something else in the game and maybe he wasn't the thing. We needed more stability. And he's a young kid and he was always going to be the first sub. Um but take nothing away from him. We've already got the confidence to put him in this game and I was really excited. And I didn't have a worry in my mind when I saw him in that starting lineup. So um it's it's a 45 minutes which you can he can learn from, he will learn from. He's got the experience now uh, and he moves on from it.
0: Yeah, and that's the important thing. You said it there in the midst, really. You said it is only sort of 45 minutes of football um, and we can't sort of, you know, cast him aside based on it because what he's done previous has been outstanding. Um, I'll let you have your say, Dave, before I come in. And just to say, actually, before you move on, I wanted to um, say, as we were talking about Upa Meccano and Kanata um, a minute ago, Chris Williams on episode four of the Reds Unrestricted podcast told us when we were asking about Upa McConaughey, that it should be Canate, teams are looking at, so big credit to him for that. But yeah, Dave, I'll let you have your say on Harvey Elliott anyway.
2: Yeah, we got the sort of, the inside scoop early on, on that one, but um, yeah, I can only echo a lot of what Chloe said in terms of, I thought he was all right, to be honest. I wasn't watching the game, you know, myself and thinking he's particularly struggling. Um, I think other people... The consensus seems to be that he did kind of struggle. I, I didn't really see that, but um, I think the, the point to stress here is that, and it's something I, I said before the game, You know, if you'd said at the start of the season, when he'd just come back from Blackburn on loan, that Elliot was going to deservedly start away against Inter Milan in the last team of the Champions League, like that was nowhere near... Yeah. Mm the squad role that I expected him to have. And don't get me wrong, I was excited about him and he was amazing on loan at Blackburn. But, you know, that was the championship. He's 18. I thought he was going to have a kind of, you know, maybe even less of a squad role than Curtis Jones or about the same, to be honest, if if I think back. So that in itself says a, a great deal and he should be extremely proud of that. I mean, I, I looked at what Klopp said about him afterwards and, you know... I think when it's a young player, the style of management is maybe a little bit different. And Klopp actually, you know, came out and said Elliot can play so much better than that. Um yeah. and you know, sort of said, you know, he he will recognise that too. So I think Klopp thought that he could have potentially done more in the game. Um and he will sort of <clears throat> emphasize that to him. And it will, I think, as a result of that, be a positive experience. And it'll be interesting to see um whether he you know starts more big games we've got some huge games coming up um i think after sort of the leeds game in midweek um obviously the cup final i think there's there's a sort of sequence of games with a lot of like you know really really big looking um fixtures in there and if you just see how much uh he features in that and i think club likes elias enough that even though yesterday didn't go 100 percent to plan um, that he will still you know featured in some of those matches and will again be another huge show of his faith in him.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like last night was. Um I was surprised to see him included. Um not necessarily based on ability, just because of how recent his return from injury was, but like you say, it just shows how highly the club and rate him. Um I think for me, he um he struggled is probably slightly too far, but it wasn't his finest hour. Um, he was second to quite a lot in what was a high-intensity midfield. Um, he just seemed to, like I say, not quite get to the ball, as, not react as fast as Inter Milan did, let's say that. Um, and I think another important point to mention, you mentioned Curtis Jones there. Curtis Jones had to learn the defensive side of playing in this Liverpool team, and I think Harvey Elliott still might have to do that. He's a wonderfully talented footballer, and I adore the lad, I think he's brilliant but so much of his talent is based on going forward and what he can do with the ball I just wonder if he still has to learn that defensive acumen and that defensive side of the game a little bit more because when games aren't going our way, like last night wasn't, he wasn't able to influence the games he would liked, so maybe that's what listen, the kid's 18 and he he's going to be an absolute superstar but in this side he might just have to adapt slightly, like they all do. Um, So, yeah, no real qualms whatsoever. Um,
2: yeah, I think, just to on, say on no that, way. um, you know, when Elliot actually came back from that loan, I mean, I'm not sure what you two expected, but my hey. anticipation was that he was going to be a sort of stellar backup almost on the right wing. And I think yes. that's maybe where yeah, we've yeah. seen him in previous Liverpool appearances. So that does kind of tell you that he is kind of, you know i think he's got the skill set to play midfield don't get me wrong but i think he instinctively is an attacking player exactly. um so the point you make there i think is probably quite an important one um and that is just going to be a learning process and i think on the whole it's been one that he's um you know it's been pretty positive um so far on the whole in terms of you know making his game more well-rounded
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, Curtis Jones was you know coming through the ranks at Liverpool, played on sort of the left side of the front three a lot, so when he dropped deeper, he had to learn, um, and it's just the same process Javier is going to go through, but I've absolutely no doubt he'll cruise it. Um, before I get one final question into you guys, I just want to mention myself, um, Louis Diaz I thought was outstanding when he came on, I think we've mentioned the subs generally, but I thought Diaz again was superb, and um, and I think, generally, we've mentioned a lot of the star showings. I think Andy Robertson had a really good game at left-back as well. One slightly dodgy moment, but generally speaking, I thought he was really good. Um, so, yeah, you know, we move on. But in terms of moving on, I'll ask you guys in turn. 2-0 at the San Siro, coming back to Anfield, European Knights. Is that tie done for you, Chloe? Um,
1: I'm hoping. See, here's the problem I always have with this. Um... I always want Liverpool to be... Well, there's there's no away goals now anyway, so it doesn't really care anymore about that. You know, UEFA just wrecking football over there. Um, because it would have felt even bigger, wouldn't it, with those away goals. Yeah. But I'm, I'm always stuck in this situation where I just want to get the job done. Or I want it to be where you've got to come to Anfield and you could slightly still be in the game and the atmosphere has to be unreal. And everything about a European night under the lights at Anfield makes it special. If it's 5-0 in the first leg or whatever, it's not going to hit the heights of what it usually is for the main reason of. It's like we don't really have to worry, you know. Um, We only have to worry if if something goes seriously wrong. So I think Inter Milan, after what they've, you know, I think they'll feel absolutely deflated. That's what I do think. I'm still going to say that it's on because 2-0 is never, uh, you know, um it's it's in any game, you're always concerned that if they get the next goal, you're in trouble. But uh, it's forty-five minutes where the atmosphere should be good. They're now at that you know, everyone decided to shovel down how, how good that the, the atmosphere was in the Now, Just wait till they, they come to hmm. us and, and let's see how they deal with our, our atmosphere. Um because we've seen many teams crack. And uh, with the atmosphere alone, before even kick off, I've, I've seen teams at Anfield know that they're not going to win before um, just by the sheer atmosphere that they can't handle. With so let's hope that the Anfield, uh, the, the Anfield atmosphere has a good, um, you know, positive effect on, on it. Um, in the terms of let's just make sure that Inter Milan don't have a chance. Two nil is not any, you know, is is a scary score line. But let's make sure that we're going score three and beat them five nil. Am I going to get? Um, you know, let's make sure we, we get behind the team and we make sure that we, we cruise through or we, we most definitely make sure that we get through. Um but they know that they've already, you know, they, they can come and put something on us because they, they did it at their ground. The difference is you've got Anfield and fifty Sutton thousand Liverpool fans uh, against you as well. Um we're not just gonna be in the high heavens of the San Cera where you can't really hear our voice. It'll be a cacophony of noise and see how you deal with it
0: that's exactly it yeah for me 2-0 like you say is isn't put to bed it, it can't be it doesn't make any sense to say that but like you say we spoke to Ewan obviously last week and he kind of alluded to the fact that Inter Milan's best chance of getting through this tie was a positive home result for all the factors you just mentioned and they haven't got that and it looked like to me for all their efforts in Inter Milan they looked shell-shocked last night when we scored two in quick succession they looked like they couldn't believe what had happened and um, And it kind of felt like all their hopes of getting through were drained from them. That's not to say they won't put up a fight at Anfield, because I'm sure they will. But everything just seems to be conspiring in our favour now. Um, And I can echo your point on the San Siro. I've been to San Siro previously, and it is some arena, don't get me wrong. But in terms of an atmosphere, it creates good noise. But in terms of sort of trajecting onto the pitch, it's not like Anfield. And you know, Barcelona playing the Camp Nou, which is 90 plus thousand, it generates serious sound. And we've all seen how they coped with the Anfield atmosphere. Um, but I will let you have a final say on that, Dave. Um, me and Chloe think the tie is just about still alive. What do you think?
2: I think you both make a really good point about um, the deflating the fact that it would have had. You could see the expressions on their faces. After the Firmino goal, I think it was one of the few times you could actually hear our fans, and that's not a reflection on, obviously, what our fans' support. It's more about you know the noise in the stadium, but it really did knock the stuffing out of them, and understandably so, because of how well they performed mm-hmm. as the underdogs in the tie. They've shown clearly that they're a good side, that they know how to sort of frustrate Liverpool, put Liverpool under pressure. Um, But I would be very confident with that scoreline, just based on Liverpool's historical record at home. Not just a home in the champions league at home in general yeah Um. it would be not quite a collapse but not too far off that i think Liverpool didn't get through from here and i also think that i was saying this to my mate here when i was watching it being at home sometimes for liverpool feels like a goal head start um if the atmosphere is enough and if we do get an early goal in the game that will feel like a killer i think so yeah very confident to be honest um i'm not going to say one us in the last eight because that feels a bit too um a bit, a bit too confident, maybe, um, especially considering they are clearly not a good team, like I say. But, yeah, um, that's a result that we really should be um, sort of coasting through on the back of, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's a very nice, comprehensive full house there, which is good to hear. Um, but we will move on to so before that second leg and before, indeed, the Carabao Cup final. We've got two Premier League games. Uh, we're going to preview the first of which here, which will be Norwich on Saturday. Three o'clock Saturday to kick off, which we have an awful lot of this season, which I'm not a fan of personally. But um, well, not not a fan of. I don't mind them, but yeah, I don't know. I prefer playing at different times. Um, I'll I'll stay with you, Dave. Um, just get your brief impressions of Norwich. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to say they've improved under Dean Smith and they've given themselves a fighting chance, which is a fair assessment. But what do you make of them? A bit deeper than that.
2: Well, that's the essence of it, isn't it? Like um. It was weird with with Farker because they sacked him, didn't they, off the back of, I think, their first win of the season. Um, So the timing was a bit strange from that point of view, although I think it was like coming into an international break and it's proven to be a sensible decision because they've got Smith in. They've definitely gone up, you know, another level. Um, They've improved significantly um, under him. You know he's a good manager he showed that at aston villa so yeah like you say they've got a fighting chance now i mean they sort of 18th 17th in the table like they're not um they, they were sort of looking like nailed on to be bottom for a while and now mm-hmm. they're above watford and burnley although you know to a set to a certain degree it's almost pointless looking at the table until everyone gets the to, <laughs> to same or a similar number of games bit of a mess at the moment but um yeah obviously we've already faced Norwich twice um, this season and we'll play them again in the FA Cup. So, met them quite a bit. They'll probably be sort of rolling their eyes at that because, you know, we beat them, you know, comfortably um, in both the first meetings. But yeah, I think they are a team now who will, you know, based on that sort of side that we face, I think this is going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, You know, we've seen them, get some fairly decent results to be honest i mean last weekend they played city they started the game all right but you know it was kind of inevitable the way that that one was going to go you felt and i think that essentially that's what smith's working with he's working with a squad that barring a few players um you know they've got some you know really talented players now like gilmore and rashidza for example i also think brandon williams has done all right Shout out to Ozan Carbach as well, a one of the most underrated Liverpool. <laughs> um, although I'm not sure if he'll play or not. Um, I think there's a, he might have been ill recently. But um, yeah, so they've got some all right players. But broadly speaking, I think it's a championship level squad, and which Smith is trying to sort of overachieve with. Um, so yeah, I think it will be a bit more difficult for us than it was in the previous meetings. Um, but like I say, you know, standards wise, there is a. There is a huge gulf there, so, yeah,
0: yeah, and and the thing is, I always think going into these games, even against sort of you know relegation-threatened sides, and um, they're not cut adrift as they once were. So credit to them for that, like I say, but they won't be targeting Liverpool away for points. That that won't be on Dean Swift's agenda. It'll be let's get there, you know, potentially even as bad as let's not get the goal difference to get a hammer in. I mean, I don't. That might be a little bit unfair, but. You know, if they do go one goal down, two goals down early on, they're going to say, OK, let's not get hammered here because who knows what could happen further down the line. But you know, realistically, they're going to target other games to points, aren't they? So, yeah, I think, you know, it, all things said, it should be a relatively straightforward one. But Chloe, who, if it is going to be straightforward, um, there's one issue in terms of Diogo Jota, and Klopp essentially said he sort of an ankle ligament situation going on. It's swollen, um, but he did finish the half after it happened, so that bodes well. Um, I'll get your thoughts on the Jotter situation, how much of a miss he might be, but you preferred starting eleven for the Norwich game, please.
1: Yeah, I'll start with Jota, and I think, obviously, with what he's he's done for us this season, it is a massive miss. And I'd I'd feel absolutely horrific on the lap because um, that second leg against Arsenal, he was unbelievable. Uh, he came, you know, against Leicester. He, he scores the second. I'm pretty sure he also scores the winning penalty. He gives it to the Leicester fans. Um, he's made himself a, a hero over here already. You know, he's absolutely adored. His song goes off so many times on the cop. Um, it's it, it's such a good song as well. So, um, it'd be a massive miss, and I'm, I'm, you know. Not just do I think it's a massive miss and and even though we've got a really good suspense now it's still a massive miss because of what he does for us Um, and you hope it's not serious not just for Liverpool but for himself because no one probably thought that he'd come to the level that he is and he's done what he has and um, you know he's getting the plaudits and rightly so but I think he was a massive factor in us getting to that, to to get into Wembley for the League Cup final. And if he's not in it, then Mm -hmm. um, that'll be heartbreaking for him because that second goal against Arsenal alone was absolutely sensational. So um, I I feel really bad on the lad and I'm praying. I I feel like my soul left my body when I heard, you know, uh, Jürgen Klopp and ankle ligament damage or ankle ligaments in the same sentence with Jota. Um, So it did make me think... Oh, no, but, um, you know, we, we've got other people in on the bench who will hopefully step up, and Roberto Firmino stepped up last night, so hopefully he can do it again. As for me, preferred line-up, obviously, Alisson in goal. Um, Trent, I'm stuck between Matip and Kanata. I don't think you can leave Kanata out based on what, what um he did yesterday. I think that performance with Virgil van Dijk, the, the partnership that he's created with Virgil van Dijk after only coming in here and there, um to play an odd game is, is ridiculous. Those two understand each other so well. Um and I'd edge towards Canate just because of of how good he did the other day. And I think uh Matip might feel hard done by, but like David said earlier on, there's been times where he's just passed the opposition the ball and got us in trouble. So um it's all healthy competition, but I'd go Canate. Virgil van Dijk, um I think here's where you can maybe rest some players. I think Mm-hmm. Maybe Tasmikas comes in, you know, maybe Robertson stays. I'm I'm not really bothered, but I, I wouldn't mind either. I, I wouldn't mind Tasmikas. Um my preferred lineup would, would probably be Robertson. Um but I'm happy with Tasmikas. My mm-hmm. midfield, Henderson's got to start based on the performance he put in. Nabi Kata can start. And obviously I'd want Fabinho, but I wouldn't I wouldn't the thing is, I wouldn't be against anyone starting. Um, I know that there's going to be some kind of rotation, and so my lineup's never going to be correct. Yeah, uh, Thiago, I wouldn't mind starting, but considering you know he's he's played several games, I'd maybe give him you know thirty minutes and, and let him have a bit of a rest. As for the front three, I want Diaz to start. I'm going to be dead honest. I think he's electric. Every time he's played, he's looked unreal. Mane looked a bit lackluster. Um, he he missed a header. Uh, last night, which looked fairly, if you know, if he gets it on target, it's a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Diaz came on, you were hypnotized by what he did. So he he drived at that defense and he, he uh, caused him a lot of problems. So I want Diaz. Obviously, you've got Firmino. Um, I wouldn't be against seeing Devokarigi, I wouldn't be against seeing Takumi Minamino. I'd like Firmino, but knowing that Jota could potentially be out and he's gonna have to play Leeds and then he's gonna have to play in Wembley. Um, rotations fine, and then obviously, um, I want Salah on the wing. Uh, the, the Harvey Elliott, I'd slot back in as well in midfield. But I'm just thinking based off rotation, yeah. um, what what to do. But I literally with 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 our entire squad now, I don't really care who starts because I know. Well, I'd care if it was a massive like you know if it was Chelsea, I'd probably be thinking more. You know, we need to get the balance right and everything, but. Uh, with knowledge where you know that this is a chance to maybe make substitutions and we've still got to re- uh, make, make um, you know changes sorry mm-hmm. um, and you know we've got a strong squad I'm not that bothered because I don't think I'd be scared to see anyone else in I'd, I'd you know happily take uh, whatever the manager is putting on the pitch and I'd be happy and I'd get behind the team because I know they could put in a shift for us
0: yeah that's exactly it we have that luxury of options right now don't we and yeah, to a certain extent, particularly this weekend, we had that luxury of opposition as well. And I don't want to speak too ill of Norwich because you know, they're a Premier League football side, but like you say, we're not playing Chelsea or Man City. You know, This is Norwich, who are relegation-threatened. So you'd think if there is going to be rotation, it might be now. Um, Dave, would you have any sort of massive issues with this side? Have you got anyone you'd like to see come in?
2: Very similar side for me, to be honest. I'd mm-hmm. start, can I would yeah. start Simakas as well. Yep. Um, Midfield, I think, is sort of Fabinho and two, really. Okay. And I'd yeah. probably go Henderson and Kesa. Diaz, I'd want to see as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to see other players get rotated in, like Chloe, like a Jones, Elias or a Milner in mm-hmm. midfield. I think there was maybe something yesterday, still not confirmed. I um, don't know if you saw the photo of Ox, apparently getting injured in the warm down, yeah. which is extreme oxalate chamberlain behaviour but um yeah I mean on the Jotter injury um I am like like a journalist would say sweating on it um because he has been sort of one of our top three players this season arguably and you know the run of games got coming up like I alluded to you know it, I think it'd be a huge a huge miss um so we'll see on that one the wet ligament scares me quite a bit the fact that he carried on how much of a positive sign is that? Sure, um, let's hope though that it's a, it's one where he can be back for the uh, the final.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, you mentioned Oxlade Chamberlain. We had a little bit of luck um, with a similar injury not long ago. Um, I want to say it was against Brentford after he scored, he rolled his ankle, um, and he was okay. I think he started the next game. In fact, so fingers crossed. This Joe Gogarty situation is similar. Um, but yeah, in terms of team. Listen, it very much is a case of what will be, will be this week with we a side. There are certain exceptions. I think, like you guys, I'd like to see Diaz. Um, I think I'd like to see Cater again start. Um, and I think this is a chance to play Simakas and give Kanate that sort of second game in quick succession that we were talking about. Um, but yeah, just about time to get some score predictions. So, Dave, I'll stick with you.
2: I will go with 3-0 to Liverpool for this one.
0: Nice Hopefully Diaz
2: gets his first goal, by the way.
0: Yes, um, definitely. yeah, And, yeah, that would be really nice. He probably probably deserves it already, based on his performances, to be honest with you. And he's kind of coming close already, um, which bodes well. Um, Chloe, your score prediction?
1: I was going to say 3-0, but considering it's taken, I'll go on high and say 4 nil.
0: Well, that's just happened to me twice.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, do I stick with the theme? I'm going to have to, yeah. Liverpool five Norwich nil. I'll go with, um, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, uh, I was just going to say. I've just seen Hendo's Instagram story, and it is very much keep your big hands away from me with laughing faces <laughs> and the video of Virgil, uh, a video of Matter biting him on the head.
0: Yeah, at least he can laugh about it now because he was not amused at the time. Um, I'm pretty
1: sure he told him to F off. <laughs> yeah,
0: he was not impressed. And Fabinho's face... Uh, sorry, Fabinho. Massive's face was definitely a pitcher. Um, but yeah, I'll get a final word from you, Dave, before we head off.
2: Well, obviously, we're going to find out in the club's press conference a bit later today about that adjusted injury. Yes. So, Well, potentially, we might. Um, it's a bit of a quick turnaround, so um, we'll see about that. But yeah, all I can say is, like I said, tend to say at the end of every episode um, five star ratings please we'll be very grateful
0: of course you are the man for that I 100% would have forgot that because I was going to tell every Liverpool fan just to enjoy these next few weeks and the last few weeks for that matter because these are the days to be supporting this football club Um, and with that we will see you again next time which will be to look back on the novice game and the Leeds game and look ahead to
1: the small matter of a Carabao Cup final. Goodbye all.